You're listening to another hope-filled podcast from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifenz.org. The next few moments, we're going to come around God's Word. and I believe in the power of His Word. I believe in the power of His presence. And I believe He's already answered prayers, and He's going to continue to answer prayers. And I just for a moment want to encourage you, whether you're here for the very first time, or like myself, you've been in church a little while, to open your heart. I think Grace, one of our worship leaders, said, why don't we open our heart and step in? And I think that's really important. That if we're not careful, we can come in one way and walk out the exact same way, or we can come in and have a great feeling or a great moment. But I'm a fan of God doing a work on my life so that we walk in one way and walk out better. The only thing I've ever discovered in the life in Christ is that your life gets greater. Doesn't mean it's exempt from hardships and doesn't mean there's moments of correction that I'm feeling like today this message is preaching right to my heart and soul as I was preparing it this week. I'm like, yeah, I got some things to work on. And I love that about God because he loves us too much to leave us right where we're at. And I just really feel, I, I don't know what it was, but as we were standing there worshiping, I didn't say this at the first service, but I really feel to encourage us all. Maybe it's for a few, maybe for all of us. I know it's for myself. Let's just really open our heart for what God wants to do because I'm not here just to bring a message, otherwise it would be pointless. I'm here to be a channel for God to speak to all of us. And if you're with me, I believe this will be a life-defining moment for us. We're starting this brand new series called Between Two Worlds and probably see some imagery. There's upside down and there's right side up and you're thinking, man, someone in the creative department got it real wrong this week. No, (laughs) it's supposed to be that way and Really, the heart behind this series is that for all of us, we need to discover a life in Christ is a life where we live in the tension between two worlds. We're going to look at a passage of Scripture today and then over the coming weeks of these different, as I would put it, kingdom paradoxes. That as Christians, we may be in this world, but the Bible teaches us we're not of this world. Although you and I have been born Naturally, so to speak, the Bible declares that God knitted us together. He formed us. He had a plan and a purpose for each one of us. And whether you know that plan and purpose or you don't, God is here, I believe, to reveal himself to you, to me today. And long before we came into this world physically, he dreamt you up for a plan and a purpose. And so we live with this realization that we are in the kingdom of heaven when we are saved, yet we are living in the kingdom of earth, so to speak. And I've come to discover God and his wisdom is far greater than us and our wisdom, but the tension for you and I is to realize we live between two worlds. We're going to look at this passage of scripture in the book of Matthew. And I love Jesus because he was a simple guy. He used to teach parables, simply put stories that helped people like you and I understand God's wisdom, God's kingdom. And In this parable, it shares in a moment that we're going to read of a landowner who had some people come and work for him. And I hope that for a few moments we draw draw out some wisdom from this that causes us not just to go, yeah, that was good, but causes us to write notes or write something down that says, man, I've got to work on that. or Man, I've got to change that. For me, it's all of them. But for some of you, you might be more holier than me, so it might be one of them, but... If you've got your Bible, I'd love for you to turn to the book of Matthew chapter 20, and we're going to read a, a, a few verses here from 1 
through to 16. If you don't have your Bible, that's cool. Look on with someone next to you or keep your eyes on the screen because I'm going to read from this powerful passage. It says this, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. This is Jesus' teaching. It goes on to say, this landowner agreed to pay the normal daily wage and sent them out to work. Early in the morning, he went and did this. And then at nine o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and the landowner saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So they went, to, they went to work in the vineyard. At noon and at 3 p.m., the landowner did the same thing again. Again, at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, the early evening, the landowner was in town again, and he saw some more people standing around. And he asked them, why haven't you been working today? And they replied, because no one has hired us. So the landowner told them, then go out and join the others in my vineyard. That evening, he told his foreman to call all the workers that he had sent into the field throughout the day back in so he could pay them. And he began with the last workers first. When those hired at 5 p.m. were paid, they each received a full day's wage. When those hired first, way back at 6 a.m., when they first came, when their first ones came in to get their pay, watch it, they assumed they would receive more. But they too were paid a day's wage. When they received their pay, they protested to the landowner. Those people that only worked an hour you still paid them just as much as you paid us. We're the ones that worked all day long in the hot, scorching heat. Watch what the landowner says. He answered them, friend, I haven't been unfair. Wasn't it you that agreed to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go. I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you is it against the law for me to do what I want to do with my money should you be jealous because I'm kind to other people so those who are last now will be first then and those who are first will be last a kingdom principle that we're going to look at today simply put first ends last. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness in our lives. Oh God, we, we do. We thank you for your presence that is here, your presence that changes our lives. And whether it is our first time in this environment or we know what it is to be a Christian, I pray you'd speak to our hearts and our lives. We thank you for your word that it leads and it guides. And as we take a look at this parable, this kingdom paradox, first ends last. Lord God, would you illuminate in our lives areas where we need to change? Would you encourage areas we're doing well? And would you speak in and through my life to every single one of us here? 
We ask it in your mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. I don't know if you've ever had that moment where you're waiting for a shop to open or you're standing in a line. Maybe you've been to good old Rainbow's Inn across the road there and you're waiting to get on a ride. And if you're like me, impatience starts to stir up. It's kind of this innate, I guess, ingrained thing in us as humans that we want to win. I don't think that's a problem and I don't actually think God has a problem with it. He designed our lives to be that way, but I think it can be an issue when it consumes us. An issue when it takes place in moments where God's wanting to teach or do something in our lives. Maybe for you, it's that moment when you're sitting in traffic, being a good citizen, staying in the right lane, and you switch off for a moment, and the person who's not being a good citizen comes up that wrong lane and decides, oh, thanks, you've left the gap for me. It's like, no, no, I was, no. And it's, you, you start, if you're like me, you start to get a bit riled up. You take a think to that moment, should I use the horn or not use the horn? How long am I going to be stuck next to this person if I do use the horn? Or in my case, what happens if I use the horn and the person turns around and they're from life? It's not going to go well. (laughs) Truth be told, I'm a very impatient person. And so often, confessions of a pastor, I'm that person up that lane you shouldn't be up. So if you're going to toot, make it a good one. Because it's probably me. No. But I'll, I'll never forget this moment where I was actually in an airport and I was with Melissa, my wife, and we were flying back to Auckland. And we were a little bit late for the flight and so we were rushing around. And so we're already at fault because we're late, leaving it to the last minute. And as we turned the corner to get in the queue for customs, it was long and it was not moving. And in my impatient state, I'm starting to get frustrated. I'm looking around. I'm like, man, there's got to be another way. Surely they know my plane's about to leave. I've got to get through here. And I see one of those lovely airport helper people, and I do what any good husband would do. I send my wife off to go ask the question, is there any way to get to the front of the queue? So, you know, if it's a no, then I'm just here as a good citizen. I don't know know if she's with me. I don't know what's happening. No. The answer was no, and so we're standing in the line, and and because we're late, we haven't been standing there long. We're more towards the back of the queue. There are people starting to join the line, and I'm getting more and more anxious because I know the plane is getting close to takeoff. And then I'll call them my angel. This lady appears and yells down the line, is there anyone traveling on the plane to Auckland? Ooh, 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 yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I don't know if you've ever seen this happen. But it was awesome because I was the person that was needing to get on that plane, not the person that was on a different plane. And so I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's me. She's like, come this way. And so there's about five or six of us got to walk past everyone, just walk with a bit of extra swag, you know, hey, (laughs) straight to the front of the queue, in through the customs, onto the plane, and we made it home. And uh, much to the disappointment and discouragement of those that were good citizens on time waiting for their other plane, but hey... I knew that if they weren't in the line, the fast track line that I was in, they weren't getting on my plane. So I was feeling good. It was like, YOLO. (laughs) You're going to have to deal with it with someone else because I'm not here. Peace out. (laughs) But there's this tension within us to continually be first. Yet this parable teaches us from Jesus' words, actually, you need to understand the kingdom of heaven is the opposite. 
It's not right side up, so to speak. It's upside down. The tension for you and I is we live on earth, yet we carry a kingdom core. Everything about society is designed for us to push ahead of the line, so to speak. Hey, if, if, as the Talladega Knights puts it, Ricky Bobby, if you're not first, you're last. <laughs> there is this push socially to make sure you secure yourself before you secure anyone else. I'll never forget the moment I got married. It was awesome, but it also made me realize how selfish I actually was. And now I had to consider someone else. And then I thought, man, I'm awesome. I've conquered that only to have kids and really realize you're really selfish because they don't care. You know, they're just like, you're doing what you need for me because I'm going to cry until you do it. It's like, oh man, I really am selfish. But society sets us up for a fail in that regard where it says you've got to do whatever you can and at all costs, even if there's collateral damage behind you to make sure you get to the front of the queue. Human nature is wired within us that way, and I think God wants it that way, but not at the detriment of us living out this kingdom paradox. And I want to encourage you because this passage in Romans 11 is challenging. I was reading it this week, and it reminded me, that's right, I'm not God. (laughs) And I think for some of us, we need to capture this morning that God wants to use us in incredible ways, But the challenge for you and I is to realize he is in control more than we are in control. And in Romans 11, verses 33 to 36, it says this, who could even wrap their minds around the riches of God, the depth of his wisdom and the marvel of his perfect knowledge? Who could ever explain the wonder of his decisions Or search out the mysterious ways he carries out his plans. For who has discovered how the Lord thinks or is wise enough to be the one to advise him in his plans? Anyone been there? Hey God, I don't know if you're seeing this. Like maybe there's a bit of extra fog today, but like I think you don't know what you're doing here. Who's wise enough to be the one to advise him of his plans? Or who has ever first given something to God that obligates God to owe him something in return? Because God is the source and sustainer of everything, everything then finds fulfillment in him. May all praise and may all honor be given to him forever. Amen. What a challenging passage of scripture because sometimes I think we get to a point in our lives, maybe you've been a Christian in a little while like yourself, and you kind of know what it is to do life with God. And you find yourself in the tension of saying, God, I know you're God, but on this one, I'm not sure. God, I know you're God, but I'm not seeing it the way I thought it would be done and we start to get into this tension yet the scripture kind of just gives us the chandle for a moment and says hey who's even wise enough to know who God is and what he's doing in this current moment so to speak like well I know God is good but right now I don't feel it doesn't change the fact that God is good yet we get into this tension where we're living here on earth 
And he's calling us to live with a kingdom paradox. Yet human nature says, no, no, it doesn't work that way. But I've discovered that God is no one's debtor. The moment you trust God is the moment you win. You can't lose when God is on your side. Why? Because he's always won. And all he does is win, win, win. (laughs) He is God and he is good. I've discovered in my own life when I put self first, I'll always end up with self. And I found that I may get to the front of the line for a moment, yet I've now suddenly got no one around me that wants to be with me. Because I haven't taken a moment to engage with what God's doing around me. All I've done is focus on my place in the queue. Maybe today, for some of us, we need to take a step back from self and acknowledge maybe that it is actually active in our lives. God's not afraid of it. I don't think we should be afraid of it. But for many of us, I don't think we acknowledge how much self is taking prevalence in our decisions. But as we read and as we're going to look at, God's kingdom works differently to our earthly one. And what a crazy thought. To be first, from God's perspective, requires you and I to live a life where self is last. So we're going to take a look at some simple thoughts I think today are important for us to acknowledge from this parable, from this passage of scripture when we look at this kingdom paradox of first ends last and last ends first. Really we all want to win, we don't want to lose, but I think winning and losing in our lives comes down to what we actually live for. The winning or the losing of our lives comes down to what we're actually living for. So number one, are we living for fairness or fruitfulness? Fairness or fruitfulness? Is it an interesting in the parable we read about these guys and right at the beginning of the passage it says the landowner goes out and sees these guys doing nothing and says, hey, would you like to come and work at my vineyard today? This is at about six in the morning, the Bible says, and so they're keen as to jump at the opportunity. If you come and work for me, I'll pay you a full day's wage. Then he goes and he goes and he goes and he goes four or five more times and has the same conversation at different times of the day. And every single one that came and worked on his vineyard walked away fruitful. They all got paid. Every single one walked away fruitful. But isn't it interesting, the ones that came first and saw themselves as more important than the others didn't walk away feeling fruitful, rather fruitless. Why was that? Because they were living out of the fruitfulness of what the landowner had presented to them. They were living in a place called fairness. Fairness and our expectation of it on God's behalf will always end up leaving us empty. We all want fruitfulness, but we end up fruitless when we try to live out of this place of fairness. 
And I love in the book of Ephesians, there's this passage, Ephesians 3 verse 6, where it kind of sums up or gives us a reminder of what God's done for us. It says this, and this is God's plan. Both the Gentiles and the Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promises of blessing because they belong to Christ Jesus. Back in the day, the Jews were the only ones worthy. The Gentiles were the sinners. The Gentiles were the ones from a Jewish perspective that couldn't inherit the kingdom of God. Yet as we heard, I think it was last Sunday night with Pastor Joel Holm here at South, Jesus didn't come just to um, correct religion, he came to break it. To fix it one and for all. Hey, I come that you may have life and life in its abundance. Whether you had your worst week this week or your best week, God still loves you. Whether you feel worthy or unworthy, God's still for you. And, And Jesus changed the game, yet if we're not careful, especially those that have been Christians a little while, we start to slip from fruitfulness into fairness. Hey, God, I've been going strong at this now for three years. Three years, and that person's been saved three days, and they're somehow singing on the stage. What the? (laughs) God, I've been faithful with my family for 25 years. Yet the moment this person comes and gets saved and the moment they go back to their family and tell them how good God is, the whole family gets saved. What the? Fairness over fruitfulness. Sometimes we fail to realize that God is a good God. God is a faithful God. And God wants to bring fruit to our lives, but we get to choose. Do we live for fairness or do we live for fruitfulness. I'm thankful that God's grace is towards every one of us. Let's never take for granted what God's done in our lives. Maybe you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Well, in a couple of moments time, we're going to pray a prayer and you can know him for yourself. It's not about joining a church or making sure you get it all right. I want you to capture it. God's plan for your life is fruitfulness. And even though it may not make sense in the fairness side of your brain, If you trust that God is God and God is good and he's for you, he's not against you. In one moment, the Bible says your life can change forever. Why? Not because it makes sense, not because we deserve it, but because of God's grace that is always towards us. Secondly, I think winning and losing in life comes down to this idea of whether we're living for obligation or opportunity. What does it look like in your life and my life? Because it's interesting to me that At 6 a.m., it was an opportunity that these guys were more than happy to say yes to. Fast forward 12 hours, and all of a sudden, the opportunity has now turned in their hearts and minds to an obligation on the landowner. What does it look like in your life and my life when it comes to the things of God? We wake up every day, and do we say, wow, what an opportunity. Well, do we wake up and say, oh, dang it, I'm on that Sunday rostered team again. (laughs) And it's tongue in cheek, but to be honest, in my own life, I turned 33 next week and made a decision when I was three years old. I've been doing church a little while. 
In July, I will be a Christian for 30 years. I've got to be honest, there's moments where the opportunities just turn into obligation. God, I've been serving you a while now, so no more bad stuff. <laughs> like, God, come on. Come on, rather than, God, I thank you for this moment. It sucks right now. I, I really don't understand what's going on, but I trust you're good and you're God, and I'll take this opportunity for you to move. Isn't it? Yeah, come on, if you love God and you're thankful for him. But isn't it interesting that it was these workers in the early day that kind of got to a point where they said, hey, thanks for the opportunity, but actually that's not fair and you're obliged to give it to us. It says in Romans 4 verse 4 to 5, when people, when they go to work, they earn wages. That can't be considered a gift. Why? Because they earned it. But no one earns God's righteousness. It can only be transferred when we no longer rely on our own words, but believe in the one who powerfully declares the ungodly to be righteous in his eyes. It is faith that transfers God's righteousness into your account. See, sometimes we get wrapped up with what God owes us because of who we are and what we're doing for him. Yet as we read earlier, God owes us nothing, yet freely gives us everything. Let's be people that don't live obligating of God, but live wide-eyed, bushy-tailed, so to speak, of the opportunity he gives us every single day to do life in partnership with him. Let's move it from we have to do this to a statement of I get to do this. That to me is the definition between winning and losing. Thirdly, winning and losing is when we make a decision that we either live in envy or enjoyment. Where are you at right now? Are you content with your life or discontent? I think the wrestle can be good for us to move forward. It's not common, uh, sorry, not uncommon for us to know that failure is a part of the equation when success is what we're striving for. It's going to happen. That happens in the tension and in the, the challenge. So I think challenge is good, but if you're sitting here living discontent with what God's given you, maybe today you need to be reminded God is God and God is good. And shift your discontent into contentment. Shift your perspective of envying what others have or envying what you don't have to looking at what you do have and enjoying what God has already given you. I've, I've learned, simply put, comparison never helps. <laughs> it never helps if it's always about what you don't have. It always helps when you look at it from what you do have. 
This is why I believe it's important that as Christians, we go and do things to help people in need. I love hearing stories where people come back from missions trips because it's like, man, like it was cool doing all that stuff and helping, but to be honest, it kind of messed me up because I saw people that didn't have as much as I had, but they were way more happier about their life than I am. What is that? (laughs) That's contentment, knowing God is God and God is good. Despite circumstance, come on, despite where we find ourselves right now, he is a good, good God. And I was reading Psalm 103 this week as I was preparing for today and was reminded again of God's goodness in our lives. And sometimes it just takes a moment to reflect on what you do have and be thankful for it. That helps kick envy out the door and welcomes enjoyment back in. Watch what it says in Psalm 103, 8 to 17. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. He's slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above this earth. He has removed our sin as far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. Sometimes I think I forget that. Our days on earth are like grass, like wildflowers. We bloom and we die. The wind blows and we are gone as though we had never been here. But the love of the Lord remains forever with those who fear him. I believe that us as human beings to live a life where we are first and winning in life, it takes the self to be in the back seat. To lose the envy and embrace the enjoyment. When you start to discover the wonder and the goodness of what God has done, you start living content and happy and thankful. Oh, I'm I love what Pastor Craig, our Life Melbourne campus pastor, says. I'm stoked, I'm just not satisfied. So I'm pumped with what God's doing, but I'm not going to park there, I'm going to believe for more. Yet, for many of us, we're not stoked and we're not satisfied. We live out of envy of what someone else has and we live losing the wonder of all that God has done and in turn lose the enjoyment. And finally, the other one that I think we can learn from, the one where I think we need to make a decision where we're living for, is this thought. Are you living a whining type of life (laughs) or a worshipping type of life? Are you whining or worshipping? Because I'm sure many of my moments, the tone coming from my mouth is whining, not worshiping. I've got three young kids, and I can guarantee you this happens every single day. At the moment, it's, oh, Dad. It's like, don't talk to me until you're ready to talk to me. Mom, don't talk to me 
until you're ready to actually talk to me. And until they are ready to not whine, but have a conversation, I'm not ready to respond. Now, God's a lot more gracious than I am, so he can deal with our whining. But to illustrate the point, how much of our discussion with God is in a whining matter versus a, versus a worshipping matter. How many times do we go to God letting him know what's not happening before we let him know how thankful we are, we are for what is happening? As I said, I'm speaking to myself this morning because it's really the difference between thinking we know it all and trusting God knows it all. Like, that's really where the warring takes place. And Jeremiah 9, 23 to 24 says this. This is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom or the powerful boast in their power or don't let the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth and that I delight in these things. I, the Lord, have spoken. Each and every day we should be people who boast with our worship of God's goodness and his grace. I can deal with any situation or challenge my kid brings me if they want to have a conversation and recognize that I am dad. But the moment they come whining is the moment, talk to the hand please. Turn around, come back in when you're ready to talk to me. I literally have that conversation probably five times a day with Ruby. <laughs> oh, Dad. Shh. <laughs> hey, Dad. Uh, and I said this at the first service. Bella, who's four years old, she's, she's clued on pretty quickly. And if she comes to me and gives me a cuddle or a kiss first, <laughs> before she lets me know what she wants... It's already done. I don't, I don't care what it is. It's like, yeah, you're good. <laughs> Come on, how many of us and the tune of our lives is predominantly whining over worshiping? How many of us need to be thankful that God is God and God is good? I think our lives will win each and every day when we worship him before we whine to him. When we give him honor and give him credit give him reverence for who he is because he is a good God and he wants the best for your life, for my life, but it's up to us to decide where we live. Do we live whining or worshiping? I love that God distributes his love according to his grace, not according to the debt that really he could assume of us. Just because you've had a bad week doesn't mean he loves you less. Oh, there's moments in my household that if I'm honest, I love my kids less in one sense because it's like, whoa, don't do that. Now, I love them with all of my heart, but God's not like a natural father in that sense. He looks down upon all of humanity. As we read earlier, Jews and Gentiles alike and pours out his love. Why? Not because we deserve it, but because he's a gracious God. And he wants every single one of us to win, but it starts with a recognition of putting self in the back seat and putting God in the front seat. 
The moments this week that you walk into your workplace or your university, your shopping center, your petrol station, your KFC. Got to get that in there somewhere. (laughs) And you make a decision not to push to the front of the line, not just to worry about your own world, but look for the opportunity in the moment to put someone else first. Not only will you feel better about life, but you now give God 100% permission to be God in your world. I've never, ever, ever seen God fail me in my life when I've always put Him first in those areas. It's the moment I put self first that the moment I go from win, win, win to lose, lose, lose. Let's be people, let's be Christians, let's be human beings that serve others and serve God with our whole lives, trusting that He's got our back. And I guess it all gets summed up in this powerful passage in Titus 2, and it says this. For the grace of God, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to the ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God, our great, great Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. The Bible says that for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. We just had communion this morning and I'm so thankful for what Jesus did. But if we lose sight of the importance and the magnitude of that moment, I think we lose sight of how good God is. When God is for you, He's not against you. And maybe you're here and you find yourself in this place, as I said earlier, and it's a foreign environment. You're like, man, I don't feel like I know much about God, but some of that's making sense. Or you feel like, man, I've got a long way to go. I've got some things to work on. Join the club. We're all in this together. But I have come to discover that a fulfilled life that wins is a life in Christ, not away from Christ. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifenz.org.